day to use your imagination. And so I'd like you to imagine this really cool drone shot that I saw on Facebook, which is going to be showing right about now. But it's a cool shot, and it made me go to the, the Facebook page and then go to Google and find out a little bit about a town called Tallahassee, Florida. Anyone here from Tallahassee? Shout out to your hometown. They started about seven years ago something called the longest table. The longest table. And once a year, usually the last week of October, they shut down Duval Street, which is right in the middle of Tallahassee, about eight blocks of it. And they put folding tables in a line for eight blocks. So as you can imagine, this drone shot is fairly impressive as it shows this entire table. And when they gather, the idea was for people of all ages, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, to come together one night in this street, in the center of town with the street shut down, and to have a meal together, and then have some important conversations about things that were happening in their community. They've been doing it now, at least before COVID, for five, six years. And the pictures are just kind of amazing to watch the variety of people and the fellowship that's happening, but also to see some of the things that they've been able to accomplish in that community by having these gatherings. It's been so successful that other universities in our country, other towns in our country, have started following suit. And the longest table has been used in some universities and some towns to help heal from a tragedy. Other universities and towns are using it as an annual event to create connection and to keep the community strong. As I looked at these pictures and thought about sharing them with you this week, though I was thinking about another table. I was thinking about this table. This, the Lord's table, here in our sanctuary at WHPC. Because today is, as many of you know, first Sunday of October, World Communion Sunday. And that means that today is the day we are asked to stretch our imagination beyond this 72-inch piece of furniture. And imagine instead in its place Jesus' longest table, the Lord's table, spread across countries and continents spread across cultural and political divides and all national borders. Imagine. Imagine a table with room for everyone. Where everyone has enough food, where everyone is welcome, where everyone is safe, and most importantly, where everyone is equal. Because of the host, the host, our Christ, you see, this is Christ's table, which means that no nation is first, no language is preeminent, and no culture has the best seat. Once a year, on this Sunday, with Christians all over the globe, we stand in awe and we celebrate. We decorate our sanctuaries like 
Teresa and Cheryl and Emily decorated ours with these wonderful cloths from all over the world, these breads, which by the way smell really, really good from all over the world. We celebrate that in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God there are no borders. And that we're called to sit with people from north and south and east and west at one table. Once a year, we just get a, a small taste of a world with, with no walls. Where hostilities cease and where peace, real peace and shalom exist for all God's children. It's beautiful, it's breathtaking, it's holy. So this morning we're going to go to the one place in scripture where I believe such imagination begins. It's the one miracle, the only miracle in fact, that it actually is talked about in all four gospels. That's your piece of biblical trivia for the day. The only miracle that is in all four gospels. And it's Jesus feeding of the multitudes. Now I imagine you remember the miracle. But you may not remember that in John's gospel, when the miracle is complete, Jesus gives a sermon. A sermon for the longest table. Before we hear the sermon, will you pray with me? Powerful God, we are bold to ask again for a portion of your spirit. Feed us with your word and stir our hearts and feet and hands in Jesus' name. Amen. It happens that after the feeding of the multitude, Jesus' longest table, the crowd won't leave Jesus alone. They keep asking for more. Hear now what Jesus has to say to them in John 6, beginning with the 25th verse. When they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him who is sent. And so they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then so that we can see it and believe? What works are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now that, my friends, is a sermon. That is a longest table sermon. 
And on this World Communion Sunday, Jesus reminds us of some very important things. Jesus reminds us that our God is in the feeding business. Our God is in the feeding business. And the crowd listening to him that day, they knew that as well. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the story from Exodus 16 and the manna that came from heaven. Exodus 16, 2 through 4. They knew that story well. It was the foundational story of God setting a table for God's people. The primal story of God inviting Israel to a longest table. A table set every morning. Mercies new every morning. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained in the wilderness. They said, if we had only died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt where we had food. But you brought us out here to kill us with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people will go out and gather enough for that day. And in that way, I will test them whether they follow my instruction or not. You can hear those Israelites complaining to Moses. What have you done for me? Have you brought us out here to die? At least we had food in Egypt. If this keeps up, we're going to starve. Kind of sounds like kids on a long car ride, doesn't it? But let me challenge you to go back and read Exodus 16 yourself. Because guess what? Nowhere in that passage does it say that the Israelites ran out of food. Ever. Nowhere does it say that they were in danger of starving. It's really unclear from the book of Exodus that there was a food crisis of any kind. What is clear is that the Israelites had a faith crisis. And Jesus sees that same faith crisis in the multitude in John 6 that won't leave him alone. That congregation listening to his longest table sermon. He looks at them and he sees that they hunger for security. They hunger for hope. They hunger for a future that they can't quite reach. And like the Israelites, they cry out, feed us. And just as God did in Exodus, Jesus does feed them. He feeds them good news. He says, God does answer. God reveals God's faithfulness and mercy and responds to our hunger and feeds our hunger. In the past, it was manna, bread from heaven, bread that kept the Israelites alive. And today, for that multitude, for you and for me, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never be hungry. Anyone who believes in me will never be thirsty. Mic drop. I really could end this sermon right now, and in fact, most of you probably wish I would. I could simply lean in like a good old preacher, and I could say, what are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Recognition, success, love, acceptance, maybe a place to belong. 
relief from a burden, healing, reconciliation, peace? What are your deepest longings, your deepest desires? Chances are you're hungry or thirsty for something that money and success, power and food and things, no matter how wonderful, cannot satisfy. And friends, Jesus can. Jesus can. The only true spiritual food, the only thing that satisfies our deepest longings and desires and gives us life, life is the bread of life, our Savior Jesus. Nothing else even comes close. Good news for you and me. Good news for a world starving for grace and mercy. So let's sing, come to the table and have a feast, right? Right? Party. There you go. Well, not yet. Not yet. Because Jesus' longest table sermon reminds us of one more thing. As God feeds us, God also puts us to work. As God feeds us, God also puts us to work. Like the manna of the ancient Israelites, our relationship with Christ, our walk with the bread of life, it is a constant source of nourishment, yes, but it is hard work. It takes discipline. It takes obedience to gather God's mercy every day. Every day. Prayer, Bible reading, Bible study, worship, Christian fellowship, community, friendships. Not once in a while, but every day. There's no shortcut to gathering manna. There's no shortcut to living on the bread of life. One of the worst things the Presbytery ever asked me to do was to be part of a listening group at a troubled church. It sounded like a really important task until I got there and I realized what that meant was that those of us from Presbytery were going to sit in a room and every 20 minutes a different person was going to come in to complain to us about their church or their session or their pastor, usually all three. Okay? It was the most miserable day I've ever spent, but remember one woman so vividly. Because she came in and for 18 minutes straight, literally without taking a breath, she spoke to us about her church, her pastor, her session, and she said over and over and over again, I am not being fed. I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed by my pastor, by worship, by my session. And after 18 minutes of this, she finally took a breath. And that's when I leapt in. <laughs> and I asked her. So I have a list here of all of the classes and studies, prayer groups that meet at your church. Which of these are you involved in? None of them. Okay. So there are three worship services at your church every week. Which ones do you attend? None of them. Okay, so your group of friends or the people you gather with to pray or to do life or to study, what's that like? I don't do that. 
Well, I thought to myself, now I was proud that I didn't say it, but I thought to myself, I can understand why your faith and your hope and your soul is starving. Your church can set the table. Your church can invite you to the table. Your church can allow God's grace to somehow drop manna on that very table. But if you don't go and gather it for yourself, one day at a time, one season at a time, then you don't understand manna. You don't understand the bread from heaven that gives real life to the world and the obedience and the faithfulness demanded of those who eat this bread. God feeds us at this table and then calls us to work. Don't believe me? Well, do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples before the feeding of the multitudes, according to the Gospel of Matthew? It was getting late. The disciples were worried about the crowds. They went to Jesus and said, Jesus, this is a deserted place. The hour is late. Send this crowd away so that they can go to the village and find something to eat. And Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Or remember poor Peter after the resurrection, meeting Jesus on the beach, having breakfast, nervous, And he finally has Jesus speak to him saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter leapt up and said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Friend, God, as God feeds us, God also puts us to work. The disciples learned that at this table the longest worldwide table where we feast on the bread of life today. Because you see, this table was for them, and I suggest it is for us also a practice field, a training ground. You see, here we're nourished, fed, and welcomed, of course, but here we also become those who can feed others. Not long ago, as many of you know, my baby, my youngest, just got married, and she's a newlywed. And not long ago, Al and I had the, the privilege of sitting in her home, in her kitchen, watching her, for the very first time, prepare a meal for us and for her in-laws at the same time. And it was kind of surreal to really be honest with you. Watching her prepare a meal, my baby, the one who I have quite literally fed and nurtured for a lifetime, the one who will come to my house and kick herself up on the couch and wait for me to serve her, right? Taking her rightful place as a homeowner, as a wife, as a daughter-in-law, as a kitchen fuss budget, just like her mother. One who can feed and nourish others. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the bread of life. I am the one who comes, and the one who comes to me, who believes in me, becomes my partner. They that learn from me will find hunger and thirst 
have no hold. Will have no hold on them, have no hold on those around them. Because at this table, we're trained to make cards for shut-ins like our Sunday school children are about to do. At this table, we're trained to spend time with older people and help them with home projects like our students did this summer on their mission trip. At this table, we are trained to create a beautiful final resting place, a memorial garden for families we haven't even met yet who will have a tragedy and have a special place to be comforted. At this table, we're trained to visit the sick and to brighten the day of the depressed like our deacons. We're trained to be generous givers of our resources to those in need. We're trained to be the body of Christ, being for the needs of the world. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Come. Come and be fed. Come and be fed in a way that will teach you to live. Come and be fed so you can do my work. Friends, will you pray with me? God, somehow you do it by setting a table, by opening our hearts and imaginations. You not only feed the deepest needs of our souls, but you mold us into those that can feed others by your spirit by your power may that be at your table this day amen <laughs>